Blog Talk Radio. Hello? To another Wednesday night. Uh, I'd like to welcome our legends as always. From Hotlanta, Mr. Roger Henley from the Jersey Shore, Mr. Don Henderson from the Tampa Bay area, Mr. Roy Cummings, and from beautiful downtown Sarasota, Las Paris, Mr. Frank Carroll. Gentlemen, good evening. 
And what what a week of sports, as Don was saying before the program started. What a week. Well, I'll tell you, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. A lot of it is really centered right around your area. So, I mean, you and Roy will take the lead here because uh, let's start off with the Yankees. Uh, seven Uh-oh. coaches out with the with the virus, and uh, Torres is not able to play tonight because he is also uh, uh, suspect on the uh, – uh, on the virus as well, plus the fact they had a very controversial play in the first inning at the top. The man, another one of those balls hit the roof. <laughs> and uh, every time the Yankees are in town, I mean, when they write this story at the New York Post, tomorrow, that's all they'll talk about. What are we doing in this ballpark where all you do is hit the wires and hit everything? It drops right behind second base for a double. So, Roy, let's get started. How about seven? You know more than I do because seven players out. Plus, uh, uh, Torres not able to, uh, seven coaches out, and Torres not able to play tonight. Yeah, kind of shocked that uh, somehow, um, well, obviously didn't stop it, uh, the coaching staff, but uh, out of eight people, seven of them are coaches. I don't know if that's convenient or not, but uh, clearly uh, there's an issue there. And I know that one of the coaches that has it uh, supposedly had the vaccine. So um, That's right. It's, uh, that, that's a little concerning on a – on an even bigger scale. Um, but I guess the good news for the Yankees is, is they've got Garrett Cole on the mound, and uh, he looks pretty sharp through uh, an inning and uh, almost an inning and a third here. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, going forward, this could be a real issue uh, uh, for the Yankees, uh, losing some players. Look, we just had the Padres um, put three players on the uh, health uh, health uh, IL, concerned about uh, their well-being, and uh, even the Cubs uh, – have a player uh, who's a little bit dealing under the weather. So I don't know if we've got a new wave of uh, COVID-19, you know, racing through Major League Baseball or not, but uh, clearly there's some concern here about, you know, where these teams are headed uh, going forward. We may have a little bit of a replay of last year with some teams where they have to uh, sit out for a couple of days and miss some games and make them up with double headers later on in the season. It's hard to know now, but uh, that may be where we're headed. Tommy? Well, I hope not, Roy. When you think about it, just when you think about it, just to get the vaccines out for everybody, and you know, this, you know, anybody that gets the COVID right now, I guarantee it'll go bad for them up there or not. So I mean, it's the it's, you know, it's a situation up there now. But Roy, I'm, Roy, I'm more worried about our hockey team. I mean, we lose to Dallas and the Panthers twice. Does this does this remind you of the season 2006? Lightning's in second place. They lost to the Panthers. They got to seventh place. Lost four straight to the Jersey Devils in the playoffs that year. This just concerns me the most. Tommy, if, uh, if if the world was on fire, you'd still be more worried about the Lightning uh, than anything <laughs> else. But, um, but that's fine. Uh, yeah, and I, you know what? You know, Joel, kidding aside, you have a reason to be worried about the Lightning going forward. Um Victor Hedman is going to require some kind of surgery on whatever the injury is that he sustained a couple nights ago. Uh, he's going to play in the playoffs. How effective he's going to be is hard to know. Uh, how effective Steven Stamkos and uh, Nikita Kucherov are going to be. Not having played much, uh, Kucherov not all season. Stamkos done over the last couple of weeks. They're playing a Florida team that uh, is pretty good. Can score right there with them. Um, you know, got a darn good goaltender just like the Lightning. Uh, that has home ice advantage in Florida. So uh, it's going to be an interesting series. It doesn't start for another week, but um, uh, so we'll see, you know, how it goes. But 
there's reason to be concerned if uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning can, uh, can you know, win another uh, Stanley Cup here. I think when the season started, a lot of people thought that they were probably poised to win a second cup, uh, even throughout most of the season. I think people felt that way. They still have probably the best goaltender in the game. But uh, and getting guys like Kucherov and Stamkos back certainly helps. But, uh, you know, losing a guy like, and they haven't lost him, but uh, not having 100%, uh, getting 100% out of Victor Hedman could be a problem. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. tough matchup for him against Florida. And uh, they play a little bit different style. You know, Florida, they're going to they're gonna beat you off the rush. Tampa, they're going to want to get the puck in the offensive end and kind of cycle it down and move it around and create opportunities that way. So it's an interesting series. It uh, will be when we get started. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think there is legitimate concern for the Lightning. Uh, can they uh, repeat as Stanley Cup champions? Right now I'd say the odds are against them. And not just because, uh, you know, the odds are always against the team. Uh, repeating, but they got some legitimate concerns uh, in terms of health. Roger? Yeah, I was going to just say, Don, I guess you're in New Jersey now, right? No, I'm not going back till Tuesday. Oh, okay. I, I oh, wait Billy here is that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, uh, Don uh, was smart, and he went up north when uh, the uh, gasoline crisis uh, hit uh, in the south, yeah, about that. so uh, isn't that something? But anyway, um, uh, I I wanted to, since you're talking about hockey, I found it very interesting the other morning. Uh, Keith Jones, uh, who's you know on NBC as an analyst, uh, was saying about Carter Hart. He feels that he will be fine next year, and that all mm-hmm. the Flyers need to do is to add some defense. He feels that that's really. Uh, what uh, did was his downfall this year because uh, he's a very uh, uh, he's a position goalie and he did not have the defense there to uh, uh, take care of things. So I think that was a very good uh, assessment of uh, Carter Hart, and the only time will tell. Uh, but um, the uh, schedule comes out, the NFL schedule comes out, Roy, at eight o'clock. Uh, but they've already announced uh, some games. I thought uh, very. Oh, we got a ton of games. Yeah, well, the Chargers uh, are going to be opening up against the Washington football team. That's amazing. <laughs> the West Coast coming to the East Coast. And the Giants were begging to play the Eagles at uh, MetLife Stadium to start the season. They're not playing, I think, until the 12th or 13th week, something like that. So, uh uh, so far, for what we know, the Falcons announced they're going to be playing, uh, hosting a game in London. Uh, what do you think, Roy, from mm-hmm. everything you've seen so far? Yeah, a couple of games coming out. Uh, looks like Tampa's going to open up against Dallas on Thursday night. That's a nice, interesting matchup. Uh, Bucks are going to be on uh, primetime television a lot. Uh, look, i got to be honest, guys. Uh, to me, the, the schedule release is one of the most boring days on the NFL calendar. They made it into a big thing. Um, and I guess, you know, if you're a, a, a diehard fan and, you, you know, you feel like you need to uh, set, your, set your calendar six months ahead of time, it's a great, you know, great t- opportunity to do that, I guess. About, but, I mean, you, you got, it kinda, I mean, if you're a football fan, you kind of got all those Sundays in, from October through uh, the end of December uh, kind of carved out anyway, I would think. I don't know why the you – know, schedule coming out makes a big difference unless you you know plan to travel you know to a road road game but uh, 
it, look, we know who teams are playing, and now we're just putting dates to it. So who plays on opening night? Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. But you know, who's going to play on Thursday night every week? And who's going to play on Monday night every week? And you know, and I think it, I don't think it means that that much. It certainly doesn't mean anything to me. And um, at the end of the day, they're flexing from halfway through the season on now. So uh, you know, really, the schedule is just kind of a you know kind of an idea. It's kind of like a a tentative game plan. It's like, yeah, this is how we, we see it right now. But, you know, if uh, come week eight, uh, you know, two teams we've got matched up uh, don't look that good, we'll probably uh, move them off of a Monday night game and give them a Sunday afternoon game and move somebody else into that slot. So um, I hate to be a downer on that, but I've, I've never quite gotten the uh, all the excitement about the schedule coming out. Well, well, you know, the, a couple the things. One, right, hold a minute. Uh, hold a minute. Let me ask you a question here. A couple of things about mm-hmm. that. One, following up on your point, Roger. Uh, number one, Quinn has now been the defensive coordinator, named the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, which is interesting for you because you followed Quinn a lot down in Atlanta, as we all did. And also, uh, ESPN did a major piece on uh, Dak Prescott, uh, how well he's coming along and that he should be ready for the first game. So I thought uh, I agree with you in most cases that uh, who plays who at this point doesn't. But I think those two points are key. And also the fact that uh, for the first time, uh, you know, uh, the Bucks are going to have to go up to Foxborough and play up there. So you'll have the great quarterback against the great coach. So I thought those three stories were really the interesting uh, part of today's schedule, basically. Yeah, no, you're right about that. But, I mean, we've known for a while that Tampa's going up to New England. We've known that uh, Dallas is coming to Tampa or whatever it is. I mean, again, you know where teams are going. It's just a, you're just matching up dates now. And, yes, there's, you know, there's someone intriguing, uh, you know, to, to a degree. But, you know, everybody – I think the schedule often um, – you know, you look at schedules and, and one the first thing that teams are going to do, you know, everybody wants to do after the schedule comes out is, you know, kind of go through the games and say, okay, well, here's a win for this team. Here's a loss. Here's a win. This is a win. Right. We should beat this team. And then you get, you know, you get a month and a half into the season and you realize, oh, you know what? Well, that team's not really as good as I thought it was. And, oh, by the way, you know, Team X here, uh, it's a lot tougher than we thought they were going to be. So, um, you know, you can throw those uh, those predictions kind of out the window. But, um, again, it, look, the NFL has mastered um, turning even small events into events and uh, and they've done it with the schedule release they've uh, they've turned it into a massive event that uh, everybody can't uh, you know everybody gets gets excited about and um, you know at the end of the day uh, yeah it's important but uh, you know you got kind of got five and a half months here to, to get ready for it so um, <laughs> That's right. enjoy go ahead Roger finish your point I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt go ahead I'll tell you, my point was to follow up with Roy, and I agree. Uh, by the uh, way, the I, NFL... I hate to interrupt you real quick there, Roger, but breaking news, uh, the Arizona Cardinals will host the Titans at noon on uh, opening day. Uh, so there you have that. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. Next. Yeah, well, <laughs> my, my uh, only point was that uh, to follow up with what you were saying about the uh, schedule is that the draft, We as boring as many of us think it is, it outgrew the World Series on, in ratings. And wow. I think uh, that shows that the NFL is definitely a marketing machine. 
It is. And, uh, you know, it's things like finding out uh, today uh, on May 12th that uh, 10 is the Bears bye week. That's the kind of stuff that makes it special, guys. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm, just, I'm getting more and more information here. I don't know if we have enough time to get to it all. But, uh, you know, those are the kind of things you, you pretty much uh, – I don't know about you guys, but, um, boy, I, I know there's a lot of fans out there probably lose sleep over this kind of thing. The Bears are the Sunday night game. Was it the first Sunday night game? I think they no, are. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Uh, the Lions, by the way, are going to host forty host the 49ers in week one. So I know everybody's Ooh. excited about that. How about the Jets? You know what, guys? But, you know, back to something serious. Uh, you were talking about the Flyers. Uh, real briefly there, Roger, with Carter Hart and listening to the press conferences with uh, Elaine Vigneault and, uh, and, and, and everybody with the uh, Flyers yesterday, the exit interviews and stuff. I thought it was interesting. I, now, I agree with Elaine Vigneault on one thing here. Uh, I, I think it's, he's absolutely right that, you know, let's get to a, a, regular, a, a regular off season, a regular season. I think before you jump to conclusions and look, we, there's no question that the Flyers were a disappointment this year based on what we saw from them last year, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. by the way, Pittsburgh uh, will host uh, – Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, Pittsburgh <laughs> will go to Buffalo on week one. Um, so, uh, so, you know, but, but I think it's too, it's too soon to, to, to call out Carter Hart and say it was all on him. You know, uh, Shane Goss' bear was uh, pretty poignant, uh, you know, in – kind of criticizing the defense and not just the defensive core, but the, the entire uh, team and kind of leaving the, the, the goalies in Philadelphia out to dry all this year. So they know, they know they've got some things they got to work on there. And uh, I think they will. It's going to be an interesting off season for that team. You know, who they protect and who they don't protect. Uh, they got some big contracts um, that uh, they have to decide on. Claude Giroux is one of them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they got some players they got to make some decisions on uh, with the uh, expansion draft coming. Um, I think they want to move forward with some guys that uh, they really like, and obviously, but uh, some guys that, uh, you know, we've, we've seen around that have good years, like James Van Riemsdyk. I and mean, there's a guy who, you know, will he right. be around next year? I think based on the season he had, you want him, but based on the contract, wow. can you afford him? So they got some tough decisions to make there. And the other thing I wanted to, I wanted to sort of skirt around it because we got Bobby Taylor coming up the next fifteen, and then we got Tom Lemayne coming up the next fifteen after that. So we're going to be doing a half hour straight of hockey. That's why I wanted to move into oh, okay. you know, <laughs> other areas. But uh, go ahead, That's Tommy, fine. you're up. Well, I just got, you know got to say I think it's going to be a you know like, well, they make so much big thing about the schedule making. All this is going to help out the airlines. The the fan clubs of various cities, when can they go to Philadelphia? You know, when can they go to Philadelphia? An Eagles game, go to Pittsburgh for a Browns game. This is the biggest day for a football fan right now, guys. You think about it. They can go travel to see their team play in a visiting city, and the airlines and all the hotels, that's it's good, for them, good for them too. Good for them too this day. So it's, it's just always interesting being a football fan to see how many fans of the travel in the one city, the other city. And if I was a member of one of these NFL clubs right now, the schedule has come out. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll con- tell you, Tommy, 
You're exactly right. But in the case of uh, going to see the Eagles, uh, now you right. can stay at the uh, Live Casino Hotel on the site of mm-hmm. Armin Serratano's old Holiday Inn, we all know. Remember Armin. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, they have the casino. They have all kinds of restaurants. It's like a uh, mini resort. And then you walk right. right across the street, either to Citizens Bank Park, to Wells Fargo mm. Center, or Lincoln Financial Field. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, well, guys, they came out with a complete, complete line already. The, the, the line was out at uh, uh, 7.30 tonight prior to the schedule being announced. Uh, were, the betting <laughs> line was already covered. They, they, they got it covered so quick. <laughs> Unbelievable. Guys, the Eagles' schedule is out, and I'll tell you what's interesting about it. First of all, and I'm being serious now. I mean, I'm not kidding around. I'm not being a jerk. But uh, their, their bye is in week 14, which is very late. Um, but it's important that they have it then because they finish up with they've got Washington twice, the Giants once, and Dallas finishing up the season. So that's, uh, that, that is, that's a tough schedule there. I mean, that's wow. a tough run of games. Well, you know, you know, Roy, you mentioned, I haven't seen the schedule yet, but you uh, just a minute, a couple of minutes ago mentioned about one of the matchups. And it, what's interesting to me is that's one of the few division games to, uh, to open mm-hmm. the season that I've seen so far. Uh, you, you know, the Falcons are going to open up with the Eagles uh, here. At, at yeah, and, and the Eagles, yeah, the Eagles are going to have, uh, they've got Dallas in week three. And they've got the Ooh. Giants in Week 12, but all of their other uh, all of their other division games are at the end of the season. They've got the Bucks in Week Six, um, <laughs> and then followed by the Raiders, okay. which that that could be an that's that's a little bit tough back to back. So um, interesting schedule for the Eagles. I mean, they 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 could uh, you know they could struggle early on, still trying to get their footing, guys. If they figure some things out by you know Week Seven, Week Eight. That division, I think, is still going to be up for grabs because I don't really see anybody yeah. getting significantly better, uh, you know, right off the bat. I may be wrong, mm. but uh, I think that could be up for You're grabs. Right. And the fact that, you know, it looks like everybody in that division is going to play everybody late, um, that that could be very interesting. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Well, I, I would have to agree, and I think Roger would too and Tommy. I, you know, there's been no deciding factor in the East that uh, – you know, makes you think, uh, you know, that one, one team's really going to step up and play. They're saying that Dallas is going to be a lot better, but, you know, nobody they have to prove it first. The defense hasn't proven they're any better than the defense was last year, and if that's the case, Dallas is not going not gonna to come out and take a big jump in the East. No, I agree with you there, Don, 100%. And, look, I think Washington is the team to probably – watch out for um they're probably the, the team most poised to to get better more quickly uh, the giants could if they get healthy from you know they clearly had some injuries last year but another thing about the Eagles schedule guys three of those last four games after the bye in week 14 uh, are at home so home against washington home against the giants and then home against dallas to finish up on the road at washington uh the next to last week of the season so um, again, qu- quite an interesting schedule for uh, for the Eagles. Roger? Okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see the rest of the league. I mean, you've probably uh, seen it, but uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see some of these matchups. But that, that first game, the Redskins uh, hosting the Chargers, to me, that comes out of like left field. 
I mean, you know, where you have a West Coast team traveling to Washington and they're not even in the same conference to open up. Yeah, it's one of those things like you, you don't quite know what to make of that one. It's like, uh, all right, well, the, neither team, it's, you know, it's not a division game, so it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just like two teams trying to figure each other out, trying to figure themselves out. Um, you know, maybe that's why they matched them up. Uh, two teams trying to figure themselves out and, you know, where they're headed. Uh, yeah, I don't know if that's going to draw a lot of attention outside of the two cities that they're playing in. But, um, again, how, how many of the games, Roy, how many of the games are scheduled for overseas? You know, that I don't know. I haven't, I'm not, I'm not finding the uh, entire league schedule, but usually there's, uh, I think they're talking about four of these days. Is it three now? now? I thought maybe maybe they would cut it down because of the virus. Because over there, you know, you can't even travel in a lot of places. Like for instance, in in, uh, in England, they're very very tough about coming out or going into. So I, I wonder what they're going to do there. And the same thing in the, in the National Hockey League. What are they going to do about the seven teams in Canada? And how are they going to mm-hmm. arrange the playoffs so that they get out of Canada? Well, here's the deal, Don. Uh, it's uh, two two games in London this year, which is. It's it's uh, it's the Falcons and Jets October 10th, and Jacksonville and the Dolphins on October 17th. So it's back to back weeks uh, in October uh, for both games, and, uh, and then they're out. So that's it. Now, you know, again, I don't know if there's a flex in there somehow where two teams would go later, but um, but you're right. I, look, the virus is still. Uh, causing mm-hmm. issues, uh, you know, just about everywhere, not just, you know, as we mentioned early on with the, you know, situation in baseball right now. But, yeah, it's a big question that the NHL, as I said before, guys, when we first talked about this a couple of weeks ago with the NHL and what they're going to do in terms of, uh, you know, teams in, in Toronto or teams in Canada and matching up against teams in the U.S., um, I think they're going to wait until the absolute last minute. I know they're trying to talk to the government, see if they can get some things waived, but, I think that's going to be a little dicey getting that done. I, look, I understand that hockey is, a, you know, the national sport in Canada, but you know, a lot of people have been making a lot of sacrifices. A lot of things have been shut down. If they suddenly open it up just to, you know, bring a couple of, you know, bring, uh, you know, 50 people in from a city in, uh, you know, whether it's New York or, or uh, you know, or uh, Tampa or wherever. We're, we're going we're gonna to find out because the chief is on the line right now. If there's anybody that knows everything, it's the chief, Bobby Taylor. Bobby Taylor is waiting in the wings. I can feel the energy right now. Uh-oh. Bobby Taylor, welcome well, will, to the show. I will definitely yield to the chief. You guys probably know more than I do, but I, I, that's the biggest thing with this. I've been wonder, I've been asking that question about uh, how the heck they're going to incorporate that Canadian division into the Stanley Cup playoffs. For the last two months, and nobody, they look at you like, why are you asking me that? Well, because, you know, <laughs> the border is very, very tough to get across, you know, uh, it's like trying to uh, attack the <laughs> national line. And for me, it, I don't know, I can't figure out that government up there. I was born and raised up there, but they are really, really different. Chief, well, let me I'll ask you this. Perfect. Before we jump around, the, the uh, you got two things. You haven't straightened our first question out, so we got to let you off on that one. Right, let's go <laughs> to number two. What is this stumbling team in Tampa going to do? What What's going to happen with this team all of a sudden? Uh-oh. Well, I, I, I think a couple of things. 
you know, we didn't have our two best puck-moving defensemen uh, in the game, you know, in, in McDonough and and Hedman. And, and if you're going to have really good offense, you have to have those guys back on the blue line that move the puck up. Um, right. I can remember back in, in, in 2002, 2003, before we won the Cup in 04, we never had any really puck-moving defensemen, so guys like LeCavier and, and St. Louis and Brad Richards had to go all the way back into the zone to get the puck and then carry yeah. it up. Mm-hmm. With, but, of course, we had a red line then, too. So, But this game, the way it's played now with those stretch passes, you know, you pass the puck from uh, Philadelphia to New York before you could call it an offside. And the thing <laughs> for me is that you've got to have those guys that can move the puck. If you, if you can't pass it up, you've got to skate it up because what they do – it's just a different version of the Jersey trap. Remember when the old Jersey Devils would play mm-hmm. that trap yep. in the middle of the zone? It's very right. similar now, but only it's a little bit different because uh, the players are moving because they they have to wait for that puck. They can't get across that red line without the puck going first. So, uh, And now they can wait for it. I mean, they can just go like crazy. So uh, if you have that defenseman that can skate the puck or move the puck with really good pinpoint passes – your offense is going to be a lot better. And without those two guys over the last few couple of games, especially against Florida, they weren't very good. And then the second thing about that, guys, is the fact that uh, I've, I don't ever recall Vassie making that many mistakes in one game, to be honest yep. with you. Uh, right. he He's one of the best I've ever seen, and I played with a great one, Don. You know that, and Bernie Perrant. And this kid's Absolutely. incredible. And, and uh, this kid's incredible. And... Uh, He's such a competitor that I think his game's going to cover out. He was not real good in the last two games against the Panthers. He was only average. And in our team, the way we play and the way it's been set up, we have to really rely on him a lot. He's mainly our biggest defensive person. So and when he's only average, you're going to struggle. Tommy? Uh, for Chief, uh, Christoph, Fernando Oaks has your name on it. They... I played out there today. I had 74 out there. They, they want you and Mr. Peckham to come up any time. <laughs> so they said, 74? Did you play for the yeah. ladies? Yeah, don't ask him what he got on the second hole, though, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I played from the white team. <laughs> I was in the ball so good, but yeah. that's my message from Chief, the general manager, Fernando Oaks. I said, you're coming on the show tonight. Tell Chief, he's always welcome to get up here. <laughs> Exactly. It's going to be about this Panther game right now. Remember back in 2006, where we had a chance to finish in second seed, we lost to the Panthers, we dropped down to seventh seed. This is what scares me about this Panthers teammate now. I mean, they got, you know, Rocco Gunas in defense and Antron Stroman up there. But I think that I think that this Lightning team was going to prevail, and I'm going to go on and win Lightning in six games right now. This team needs this team needs to get some time off, relax, and get it going back get it going back down sunrise. I think next week, right? Next week the playoffs start. Yeah, they uh they haven't really come out with a definitive game or what day it's gonna start, but I can look at you can look at it this way. Uh it's definitely Boston, Washington on Saturday. So I'm sure they're gonna have a game right. every night. So it'll either be right. a Sunday or a Monday when they're going to start, and I would think that they would play almost every second day after that. But um, yes. 
You know what? The back of those days, I mean, home ice was an advantage. It's not an advantage right. anymore, you know, because you don't have the crowd there. I mean, I understand. I think we can get up to seven thousand fans in, in yeah. the playoffs right now, and uh, of course, we all joke about that. That's a sellout for Florida, and uh, <laughs> one of the things, the things for me is that. Uh, uh, you know, home ice, I, I, one of the things, guys, honestly, I, I've said this a number of times uh, over the last uh, couple of months, I never realized how important the fans are to, for the excitement of the game. I mean, they get you get that electricity going in the building and the noise and the cheering and the booing, and, and it pumps everybody up, and, and the players really react to it too. Uh, Don, I remember playing in the, in the Spectrum in the 70s, and, boy, that, those crowds – you know, people oh, were terrified because of the crowds that come in to play us in the spectrum because they fired <laughs> us up so much. And, and, exactly. and they really help. Yeah, and the games aren't as exciting because we don't have that factor in it. So home ice now, I don't think it's going to be a big factor. I, you know, this extra game, uh, I don't think it's going to be a real problem or a real a factor in your success or failure. And I know that in the bubble last year, the Lightning in, in won more games and they were the so-called road team when they never had the last change than they did when they were the home team and had the last change. Mm-hmm. So it, it's going to be an interesting final again, or playoff. Well, Chief, excuse me. Chief, uh, last year Victor Hedman was, uh, you know, he was the show. Uh, I mean, he did everything he could possibly do. He's a little nicked up. That What's the situation there? Will he be ready at I, you, know, well, you know what, obviously I always say that if you're 100% going into the playoffs, you haven't been playing the game the right way for the whole year. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, you know what, I don't know, Don, I don't think he's 100%, but, you know, uh, I'd rather have Victor at an 80 or 75% than almost yeah. anybody else in there at 100%. But, uh, you know, he, he's a key factor. He right. – uh, he along with Vasilevsky. The key for me, and the way this game's played now, you know, if you really watch the games, you don't see too many guys playing defensively at all. You know, the old days where you would, you would take the man instead of the puck, now they want to take the puck and they miss it all the time and the guys go around them and score and you get five guys with the puck. I always say that everybody plays defense like we used to watch those kids play in between periods. Five guys on the puck in one corner, five guys on the puck in the other corner, five guys on the blue line. And for me, it's, it's, it's like your most important player is your goalie. If he can come up with those oh wow saves on a more consistent basis than anybody else, then you've got a great chance to win. And uh, that's another thing. Vassy didn't come up with those oh wow saves in the last two games against Florida uh, as much as he's had throughout the whole season. And uh, I think that'll change come playoffs. I think uh, this kid's a competitor, boy, and he's got a lot of pride. And he, is, I can tell you right now, he is really upset with himself about uh, his average play that he played against the Panthers the last two games. Roger. Well, Chief, I uh, we're going to talk to uh, an old friend, uh, Tom Lemayne, uh, who uh, you remember uh, back in the old days uh, in Philadelphia media. And uh, Certainly. But the other the, the thing I, I brought up earlier was Keith Jones said, uh, I think it was this morning or yesterday on the uh, WIP morning show, that uh, to, the answer to Carter Hart is to get more defense. And you were just talking about defense. And as a former goalie, do you look at that as the key for uh, his rebound next year? 
Yeah, you know what? I mean, and and he's young yet still too, guys. I mean, you know, here's a, I mean, he was really something. I find it's really funny because I was telling the guys down there, and I even told my friend Steve Coates. I said, Coachy, I think you guys finally mm-hmm. got a goalie. You know, one of the first mm-hmm. times you've had a goalie since Hextall. And uh, the thing for me is that uh, he looked really good. He was very patient in there. He was much more mature in his game. Then I watched some of the games this year, and I'm going, whoa, rebounds are going mm-hmm. everywhere. Uh, you know, a lot of wide-open shots where he was getting to last year. He isn't getting to – confidence is a fragile thing. I, it's really – you can get some of the best players. I mean, you talk to uh, – the best goal scorers when they go on a scoring slump, they just say, "I got to get my confidence back. I got to get my confidence back." And you think, you know, like a, um, you know, a Kucherov for uh, for the for the Lightning or a Stamkos, or you know, even back in the day when you had an Orr and an Esposito. And, and I talked to Phil a lot about that. I said, "You know, what is it with you forwards? You know, you guys keep talking about your confidence that, you know, if you're not scoring, then all of a sudden you don't think you could put it in the ocean." He says, "Yeah." He says, "Sometimes it's a very puzzling thing, but you do start to." to overthink the game. He's starting to grip the stick a little too tighter. And I think this is what's happening to that young kid. He's starting to think the game a little too much instead of reacting, instead of just making it flow and play. I mean, to me, last year I thought, boy, I'll tell you what, until he's got their goalie, they're going to be a tough team. And then he's kind of, he kind of took a step back. But what is he, 23, maybe 24? You know, he's not 20, real old. And, and, yeah, and – you know, back in the day, you know, we, we never even made the we, – we stayed in the minors till we were 25 years old. And uh, <laughs> I think this kid, uh, you know what, if he can rebound from that, uh, I think he's going to be a good one. But that's the key. Boy, this game, it's all offense. Nobody really looks for the open guy. Nobody really looks behind him. Nobody senses danger anymore. Like, you know, if the puck's in the corner, watch next time you guys watch a game, when the puck's in the corner, yeah. how many guys on the defensive team are all looking at the puck and not looking where the danger could come from? And for me, it's like, wait a minute. How, if that guy scores from that corner, your goalie's going to be fired. <laughs> so why are you all looking at that guy? Look to see <laughs> where the danger could come from. And I had an old coach, and I think, Don, I told you this probably 10, about 25 years ago. I said, I had an old coach in Quebec by the – you know, Eddie Bush, and he used to say, boys, it's not the puck carrier that's the playmaker. It's the guy away from the puck that's the pay- playmaker. So you got to know where they're going. And honestly, uh, 90% of the time, guys don't even pay attention to the play away from the puck. Oh, that's right. Well, I'll tell you, a couple of things that we, we've uh, – with Brian Burns on there with us, too. I think he wants to join uh, in the conversation. Uh, Chief, I just wonder what you thought about was mandatory, obviously, the way they had to set the schedule up. Uh, how do you think it played out during the course of the year? How do you think it will take us into the playoffs? And then we'll get an administrative decision. <laughs> you know, I'll Uh-oh. tell you what. I mean, it, it, no, it was a tough – believe me, when you're playing five games in seven nights and, and six games in eight nights, and, you know, and, and the one, one of the things I can remember talking – to Jay Wells, the old uh, defenseman from from the, uh, the Los Angeles Kings, and he came to Philly there in those last couple of years before he went out. I think he finished with the Rangers. But anyway, Jay used to say, you know, one of the biggest problems we had in the West Coast because we had to come east for such a long stretches of time was practice. So if something went wrong, we, we never had the time to practice because we played so many games and you're so worried about your, your rest. 
And that's the same thing with, with the teams now. You don't get a lot of time to, to work on things that are starting to slide or starting to go wrong. So you need that rest. And uh, you have to, you know, it's hard to work on it in the morning skate, uh, believe me. And uh, I, I think that was something that was, it's been really hard for the last couple of years is, is getting the guys enough rest, especially this year when you're playing, you know, 56 games, probably what? It seemed like 56 games in 50 day, in 50 nights because you're playing doubleheaders. You had so many games going. <laughs> but for me, uh, I it, 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 that was the hardest thing about the about about the, uh, uh, the schedule this year when you had to play so many games, and then you're playing the same teams eight times. You know, it gets yeah. to be uh, it's kind of like the old uh, original six days where you know right you know, right. Guys were really going, you know, you hated guys on the other team, you know. And, and you knew yeah. everything about them, and you hated everything about them. And, and it was a little <laughs> bit more like that. But I, I thought that this was this is one of the toughest years I've seen, just for the main fact that the number of games that you had to play. And, and one good thing about it, the, the travel was cut down because you were in that, that uh, separate zone that made travel a little bit easier than, than um, it is in a, in a regular 82-game schedule. But for me, you know, uh, playing all those games and all those nights and, and then mm. like teams like Dallas, oh, my gosh, you know, they had that weather and they had the COVID. Then you got to jam all those games in there. It was like the old mm. Eastern League. Gone the old Eastern League with the <laughs> Jersey Devils, for God's sake. Remember, I remember us having to play 70, 70 games in 22 weeks. <laughs> we we play five days a week, <laughs> so it was like those days. The Jerry <laughs> Hill Arena, right? The Jerry uh, Hill Arena. Uh, let's yeah, let's get an administrative decision in here. Let's bring Brian in. I just heard it on the uh, on the uh, intercom. So uh, give us some of your points of view. What do you think about what the, the chief has to say? Hey guys, first off, uh, great to be on with you, Chief. Good to hear your voice hey, again. I see you every now and then at the arena doing the uh, the radio show, so it's good to hear you here. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's right. You know, it, it's been uh, a really trying year, I think, for everyone, even for you know us working uh, the games. It's been uh, a lot of a lot of games jammed into like a really short time period, where I think you only had. You know, maybe only three or four times a year you had two games or two days in between games. It seemed like this year it was games and maybe a practice day, and then a game, then a practice day, mm-hmm. and then you'd have a back-to-back. You just didn't really have the longer breaks that you had in previous years where you might get two days in between a game or even three days in between a game. That's just That was rare this year, and it really made it – you know, I think it made it difficult for the guys. I made it, I think it made it difficult for – you know, everybody working the games as well. It's just uh, it's a yeah. tough grind this year. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the playoffs, if that's going to affect the quality of play. That's, yeah, that's for sure. What, what do you think, Bobby? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know I we see Bernsey all the time. Well, as much <laughs> as we can, but he's right, though. I mean, um, I think a lot of teams, and, and I know our team is banged up. Uh, you know, I don't think, I mean, there could be some uh, that are a little bit more banged than others, but I, I think every team is kind of that way. And, you know, I mean, a lot of it too is that I don't think people realize 
what, a lot of it it was is the fact that you had to get this last season in because it was the last year of that exclusive contract for NBC. And they wanted all those new contracts to come, to come in next year with all these other stations that are coming in, you know, with ABC and then PBS and TNT and ESPN Plus and yada, yada, yada. Uh, you know, you had to get rid of that final, this final year. And uh, they had to make sure that they got the, the year in. And I think there had to right. be a certain amount of games. I think, I think that's under contract. I think that the, uh, the NBC did have something like the fact that you, they must be able to uh, carry 50 plus games, and maybe it is the 56 games that we had to play. But uh, they had to, uh, to order to get the contract, and they, they had to make sure that that was uh, completed. And uh, so for me, it, it was. Uh, uh, I, I hope I never see another year like this because that that was crazy. You know, those guys, I mean, good grief! You know, all the playing in, in every game after game after game, and you know, uh, and it's not so much the physical part of it, guys. It's the mental part. It's like you know, oh, I got to play again. I have to be at my best again, and you know, I have to be really on sharp and everything. And you don't get a break from that. And you know, and and the, the, these guys are in such great shape. You know. Physically, they could probably handle it a lot better. Mentally, it's a little bit of a different thing. You know, when you have to be at your best all the time and you make a mistake, and, and the more tired you are, the more mistakes come, and then that more magnifies that mental pressure that you put on yourself. Tommy? Exactly, Chief. I couldn't say, I couldn't say it better. Brian, welcome to the program. Brian's a, a man who does it, the post game. does a great job in the post game and also the media notes it. It's an honor to have you on there, Brian, but I think, I think for us, I've got a good feel we're going to beat four in, 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 in four games right now. Those last two games, you know, what do you do? You open wait a minute, up? wait a minute, Tommy. You said it was going to be six. Now you're down to four. If we go another five <laughs> minutes, we'll win this thing in the best of three. That's the, way, that's, the way he scores, that's the way he scores on the golf course. His sixes go to four. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> no foot bashes today, Chief. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I know we're going to win that series up there and that. So it's been, like I said before, this has been a crazy hockey year. And, and you know, Brian, we've been trying to get you on for the, the, the last couple last couple of years. And welcome aboard. You're, you, you know, what do you, th- what do you think about this series coming up between Ford and, and, and the Lightning again? This time it's for real. Yeah, yeah, this time it's surreal. And uh yeah, good to hear you, Tommy. Thanks for uh thanks for having me on and you know, I did those last two games, I know that you know, they didn't look good from a lightning perspective. Uh certainly you don't want to get, you know, kind of manhandled there in those last mm-hmm. two, especially when you have home ice advantage on the line, but you know, I don't really think you can worry about those games going into this playoff series, especially when you look at the number of uh players that the Lightning had out of the lineup, key people uh, trying to rest them, uh, make sure that they're going to be ready for the uh, for the first game. And I think most of those guys will be back when the uh, when the first game starts. The only one that concerns me a little bit is Barclay Goodrow. Uh, he's the one that they said he was out indefinitely. Everybody else is kind of day to day. So you figure there they're just trying to manage guys, kind of body maintenance type of stuff, but. Uh, for a guy to be out indefinitely right now, that that signals that he's probably going to be out at least for the start of this series, and you hope maybe he can get back at some point. But uh, I think they'll have to figure out a way to to get past, not have a Barclay Goodrow. But I feel good about the Lightning's chances. I know uh, that mm-hmm. 
Florida has a really strong team. They really, I thought they had the best off season of any team in the NHL uh, coming into this year. Some of the acquisitions that they made uh, really seem to fit into the framework of their team. They all seem to be buying in under Joel Quinville and, and really, uh, you know, pushing his agenda and playing to the type of system that he wants to play. I thought they made some great moves at the trade deadline uh, as far as bringing Bennett in. He's been unreal for them uh, since he's gone over uh, from Calgary. So, yeah, I'm not ready to say it's going to be a sweep like Tommy, but I think the Lightning, you know, they've got their work cut out for them. But uh, I feel pretty confident. I think the the main thing the Lightning have going for them is experience. Florida hasn't been in this situation before where they have to play a, you know, a grinding, you know, one goal, two goal type of game, a tight checking game where, where good offensive opportunities are hard to come from. Uh, Tampa Bay has been in those situations. They were able to do it last year, uh, especially in that Columbus series. Uh, early on, I, I thought the Lightning really kind of figured out how you need to win in the playoffs in that Columbus series and were able to kind of carry it through all the way to the cup. Uh, so they have that experience to draw on, and I feel like that'll be a big benefit for them in this series. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us along with the Chief. And uh, I'll tell you, Chief, thank you so very much. I hope you'll join the course you. of the playoffs so we can sort of go back and forth and get the your professional observation of how it could go. We're amateurs. We just get the information from you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got that right. By the, by the, let me ask you this. By the third by the third playoff game from Canada, you think they'll know how they're going to do it? Oh, who knows? I don't know what's going to happen up there. Born and raised in that country, I just I just shake my head every time I hear all the stuff that comes out of there. Going, you got to be kidding me! And it's crazy. So I, I I don't know. But you know what, Don? I'll have to I'll have to close with this one. You know, you know that old saying that BS baffles brains every time. So I got to learn how to BS a lot better than I had with brains. <laughs> that's the that's the only way I ever got anywhere. Chief, thank you very, very much. We'll, we'll be in touch with you. We'll be in touch with you during the playoffs. The same thing for Brian. We've got Tom O'Mean yeah. standing by from Philadelphia. Thank you. And uh, Tom, welcome to get into the show. And you're following a tough act, Tommy. Yeah. Uh, well, where do you want me to start on that one? <laughs> At the top. Take it from the top. <laughs> well, fire away, guys. Well, well, Tom, you know, we were your... talking about – well, I was just going to say we were talking about earlier, I heard Keith Jones uh, say that he feels, and, and you're at the Flyers all the time, uh, he feels that uh, Carter Hart will rebound uh, well next year if the uh, Flyers get some defense, improving defense, and you've said that many times when we've had you on. Well, you know, I, uh, I agree with that. I think that uh... – Carter Hart, if he didn't show me, or if he didn't show anybody, what he could do before he had a down season, then I would go the other way around. But, you know, it works both mm-hmm. ways. Uh, a defense can play sharp and make a goalie look good, and at the same time, a goalie can, uh, you know, save his defense from uh, a, a poor performance. And I, you know, you, you have to uh, look at look at the blue liners before you totally evaluate what a goaltender has done, you know, because, uh, you know that uh, if you're in a, especially if you're a team like the Flyers play a lot of close games, you're gonna say, "Oh man, that one that he let in." Well, you know that one that he let in, if it's not a close game, is 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 not is not a significant factor in the game. 
But uh, the defense, you're right. I, uh, the blue liners, I don't, I don't deny that losing Matt Niskanen. I mean, when, when you're the best defensive player on the team and you tell the team just before the season starts that uh, you're going to retire, uh, <clears throat> that sets your whole planning back. However, I don't think that Matt Niskanen, uh, you know, a lot of people I think are playing a little too much into the whole Matt Niskanen uh, um, leaving the team situation. I, I just uh, feel that there were too many other factors that uh, even Matt Niskanen playing this year, uh, I don't know how much of a factor he would have been. Um, I really, uh, I, I, I like Braun. I think Braun is uh, probably the steadiest, uh, Mox the smartest uh, player on the blue line. And uh, I, I really think some of their defensive players, young guys, uh, you know, if they're still around on the team next year, uh, I, I just think they had an off year. You know, I, I'm just ready to erase this season um, because there's too many dichotomies that, that occurred. You know, the Flyers, for instance, before March, they were fourth in the NHL with uh, scoring over three and a half goals a game. And then they fell mm-hmm. off. Well, you know, and I don't want to use COVID as an excuse. However, if you have a maximum excuse, it's the Flyers because for the longest time, six of their starters were out in that period. And without, without practice and everything, when you lose your, your six starters, you know, I think you have a tendency to, uh, you know, to, to, to fall off the table there. But who, the question is, Don, I think, who do you think the Flyers are? Are the Flyers the team that finished up strong last year? Uh, are the Flyers the team that finished and uh, played very well at the beginning of this year? Or are they the Flyers that you saw at the end of this year? Um, I, I, would, I would go with the former. I just think this is an anomaly in the, how they played this year. I don't think they're that bad a team. Um, but, you know, they went from allowing – to get this point, too. They went from allowing the least amount of shots in a game to allowing almost the most amount of shots in a game. Well, when you, when you have that turnaround like that, uh, you see the results on the, on the bottom line. When it wins and losses. Tommy, the one thing that we talked about at great late early on in the season, uh, the first month or so, you just pointed out as well. When you talked about the uh, Flyers, I'm talking about you in particular now, you talked about the goaltending first and how this young fellow was going to make that transition from his first year to the second year and improve. The second thing was you talked about the depth. You said they've got so much depth that uh, this is going to be a team that's going to be probably the deepest in the National Hockey League as far as talent is concerned. And thirdly, about the coach who is going to put this all together. And none of the three things actually happened. Well, again, I think this year is an anomaly, Don. I, uh, I, I think Alain Vigneault is uh, – I, I, as a matter of fact, I thought two years ago he should have won the Adams. I, I think he's one of the best guys, really, the – the best coach the Flyers could have gotten when they got him. I think uh, the, the – oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alan Vigneault is, uh, you know, to me, one of the top three coaches in the National Hockey League. I really believe that. And I think <clears throat> I think his, uh, his uh, big pluses were not available because of the lack of practice this year. He's a very structure-minded guy. He uh, is not afraid to sit a guy. I don't care. You know, he, he sat Travis – connect me when he was the leading scorer on the team because he wanted to send a message to him. Yo, last couple of, last couple of games, uh, Travis, uh, you, you know, I, I didn't like the way you were playing, so I'm going to sit you. 
And I don't know how many coaches would do that. Um, but it, getting back to uh, what was it? What was that one of the points you made there, Don, about the younger players or the depth? Yeah, I'm saying that you were you were talking in terms of first of all the depth, second of all that the younger players were going to take that one step forward, and then as you just indicated, you think he's one of the best coaches in the National Hockey League, and unfortunately, all things went in the opposite direction. Yeah. Well, I you know it's. When you saw the Flyers play, I, I think after the uh, after March, after that whole COVID thing, they really not got well. You want to put it in a term? I don't really think they got their mojo together. They were just they were completely opposite team. In, instead of uh, having teams chase them, they were chasing teams. Well, what made you the team that other teams were chasing? Number one and number two, they were playing a lot of close games, Don. And they made a lot of mistakes that, to me, they shouldn't have been close games. They should have been blown out in a couple of these games because of really stupid plays they were making. Um, to me, I, you make more than one or two passes in your defensive zone, it's one too many. I've always said that. And they just took way too long to get out of the defensive zone. And when you make a mistake in your defensive zone, see you later. <laughs> you know, chances are the other team knows this. They're forechecking on you. And they're going to set up a scoring opportunity, and they were and their passes, Don. I have a thing. I like to say I want to see a pass with purpose, and a lot of their passes were like, "Yeah, maybe I'm going to pass, maybe I'm not." Well, no, no, no. You're going to make a definitive decision that you're passing to that guy on the wing, or you're passing to that guy up the center, or you're going to feather a pass to him one way or the other. And I think there was just too much indecisiveness. Uh, maybe I don't know what the reason was, but they were just playing a tick too slow. And also, when you're in that division, hey, Don, <laughs> you know, I know Tampa Bay probably rules their division and Florida's sneaking up now. But when you're in a division <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, Washington and the Boston Bruins, you know, you put together, and, and now, to me, I think a sleeper in all this, by the New York Islanders. Well, when you right. combine when you combine the amount of Stanley cup wins or at least Stanley cup appearances of all those teams, there's nobody else in the national hockey league that can add up to that much of a, of a, of a success story. And when the flyers were, you know, they were in first place last year and then they, now all of a sudden they're in fifth, fifth place looking up to, to get into the top four to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, who do you have in the top four, the penguins, the Bruins, the Islanders and, and the Capitals. Well, yeah. to me, that was, that was the toughest challenge this year in a crazy year. To me, that was the toughest challenge any team could have. And uh, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't make it because of the reasons I mentioned before. Roger? Yeah, Tom, uh, let's uh, switch over to uh, baseball. Uh, Phillies are uh, up uh, one nothing now, top of the fifth against uh, Washington. And um, they've got two men first and one at first and second. Uh, but uh, what's your assessment now after a uh, little over the first month of the uh, season? Um, well, it's starting to develop. Let the starting pitchers go as far as they can. That's bottom right. line. I don't trust, you know, I, I just, unless you've got Mariano Duncan in the bull, I don't trust, I don't trust bullpen. I just don't. <laughs> They're just, they, I mean, they, they just uh, can just, you know, most of the time they disappoint you. That's the way I look at it. Unless you've got a surefire stopper in the game. And how many are there in, in, that, in the game today? 
Name well, two or three Hector of them, really. Hector Nervous? Yeah, yeah. One of my colleagues calls, every time Hector Nervous is on the mound, I'm nervous because you never know what he's <laughs> going to do. And I just, uh, I, really, and I said earlier in the season, and I didn't mean to be funny about this, but I said the Phillies are going to have to outscore, and I mean score a lot more runs. They're going to have to win the eight to six games and the six to five games uh, because they got the power. I mean, they, they, they can uh, deliver the runs, but uh, you know, I, I just think that, and I think Joe Girardi's starting to look this way. If not the last couple of games have been examples, let the starter go longer. Hey, if the starting pitcher is better than anybody you've got in the bullpen, you know, leave him in there for a while. And I think there was one thing when, when the Phillies last played in St. Louis, I'll bet you, Don, this is a Roger, you won't see this ever again this season. Uh, Wainwright, Adam Wainwright, pitched a complete game loss. A complete game yeah. loss. Yeah, let yeah, that rumble right. in your mind for a couple of minutes. What are the odds on something like that happening? However, to his credit, Schulte, uh, manager of the Cardinals, felt, look, Wainwright's the best guy I got, and I'm not taking him out. And, you know, it was a close game, and he happened to lose the game in nine innings. But um, this whole thing about, you know, maybe, I, hope the, I hope the wheels are turning in that managers will finally say, look, my starters are the best guys I have on the roster. They're better than anybody in the bullpen. Leave them in there. I don't care if he's got 135 pitches. Leave him in there until his arm falls off. Right. Tommy, and I well, you're if they, up next, um, if they do that, uh, and, and yeah, the Tom, offense will pick. I just want to say one thing. Uh, Ruben Amaro made a statement, and I heard this. And when he was asked uh, who the closer would be uh, this year after the trading deadline, and he says nobody that's on the current roster. I thought that was very interesting. <laughs> well, he, he absolutely turned out to be right, didn't he? Who is the closer? <laughs> well, he said it's, somebody, it's going to be somebody that's not on the roster, somebody well, they'll, they'll acquire. Then Dave Dombrowski has to make a move here then. I, I, but yeah. who, like I said earlier, who who's out there? Who who are you going to get, Roger? Who is the, I don't know. the one guy you're going to go after that is going to make the difference in the bullpen? You got anybody in I mind? Don't. No, I don't. Whoever, whoever he is, they're not going to give him to you because they need him Whatever team that is, needs them as much as you do. Yeah, yeah you're right. right. I, I just think uh, Roger was referring to the game, and I just saw uh, Dougal Herrera make a stupid move trying to score. <laughs> I just saw, man, I'll tell you. I, I wonder sometimes what's in that guy's mind. But uh, oh, man, them. I have never, Tommy, I have never seen baseball as poorly played. I mean, I, I don't see all the Philly games. I won't see them until I get home next Tuesday. But I've seen enough of them. I mean, I've seen plays that uh, you wouldn't see in a Little League game. I mean, nobody covers <laughs> home. Nobody does. One. I mean, things are you just impl- Im- unbelievable. One word, Don, fundamentals. I mean, oh, little yeah. things. Absolutely. Like when, when Roman, Roman Quinn was injured, he, you know, back in Little League, my coach taught me, if you want to bunt, make sure your fingers are behind the bat. Don't wrap your fingers <laughs> around the bat. You know, and he had his right hand. 
he had his hand wrapped around the bat trying to bunt, and, of course, the fastball came. The pitcher knows he's going to try to bunt, so I'm going to throw him a fastball. And the fastball came, hit him right on the knuckles. His knuckles should have never been exposed. I mean, it's fundamental things that uh, you forget who's on second. You, you, you're lost in the outfield. Where am I? I, I just – I don't know what the reason for this is, Don, but you're right. And the one word I say fits what you just said, fundamentals. They are, they're lost anymore. Hey, Gilbert, get up there. I say, Tom, uh, welcome that? to the program again. Welcome to the program again, Tom. It's always a pleasure talking with you and also watching you when I was growing up in this great city of Philadelphia. Got a question I don't for forget, you. I was, when you were growing yeah. up, I was growing up as well, you know. <laughs> well, <I know. laughs> That's right, Tommy. Remember that. Uh, you what was your question? I'm sorry. Uh, the question, question is: the Phillies right now 500. What's the key for the Phillies to remain at 500 and try to make the playoffs this year under under Joe Girardi? Well, I was talking to Merrill Reese the other day, and I said, Merrill, does the National League East remind you of the NFC East? You know, <laughs> you're not going to have to win many games to win the to win the National League East, and okay. uh, I think that that's the best way I can answer that question. Uh, so far, now all these teams may break out all of a sudden, but right now, every team in the National League East is underachieving. And uh, what one time, the, I mean, I know it's early in the season, but 500 had you in first place. 500 had you in first place. Aren't you a little disappointed at Atlanta? I really thought Atlanta was the best team in, in the East, and I thought they were going to, mm-hmm. you know, I knew they started off on a sort of a cold spell, did, but they really haven't hit a stride at all yet. I mean, I, they, they are really uh, difficult for me to watch and say this is a team that's going to win the National League East. Well, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's still May, Don, and uh, when you have Freddie Freeman hitting 195 or whatever, how long is that going to last? You know what I mean? And uh, right. I just uh, their their pitching is, has been a disappointment. I I wouldn't count them out, Don. I still think Atlanta uh, has, uh, you know, to me, is, is still has the best chance of winning that division. Uh, right. And, you know, the Phillies, you know, if, if the Phillies keep their starting uh, rotation the way they have it going now, and if they bring Spencer Howard in and he becomes the fourth starter, I have no idea what to think of uh, Velasquez, he, he, his mind, he has the tremendous talent. It's in his head, though. He, he just, he, I don't know what he's thinking half the time. And he, he, he gets, he lets the game take over for him instead of taking over for the game. Otherwise, he'd be your fourth starter. And when, if you could throw four starters out there, you know, consecutively and, and, and relative, on a relative schedule, you know, the Phillies are in this thing. And they certainly have the bats. They're not, you know, putting together a, a, a right. you know a, a murderer's row right now but they have the potential to do that with everybody they have in there um and the center field i don't know i mean they get they, they got the hottest hitter on the team sitting on the bench right now and that's uh Maytone, the guy who was playing second yeah. and short and I, was, and I suggested at one time about a month ago uh let's try Maytone in center i mean you know what do you you know when the center field combination is sitting one like that He's never played center field. We'd have to work on it. By what's the worst? Uh, what's the worst option there? But apparently, uh, Herrera has woken up. He's, he's, he's hot lately, and uh, 
he just made a stupid move on the base path. So, but I, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I wouldn't quit. I wouldn't quit on Atlanta, Don. I just think there's too much punch on that team with Alves and uh, their leadoff. It, I mean, they have just too much power on that team, and their pitching is, I think, will definitely come around. I, I agree. I think they are the best team in the East. And one other thing, Roger's been uh, talking about the over the last four, actually since the beginning of the season, that Philadelphia is really down on Joe Girardi. I, I can't believe that. Joe Girardi, in my mind, in my mind, is one of the best managers in all of baseball. I don't know what kind yep. of moves he's made because I haven't been there watching every game. But Roger Some said everybody's one. down on him. Well, don't forget, this is his first full season, right? I mean, yeah. you know, I, I think his imprint on the team has not fully uh, uh, presented itself. Um, I do. I think um, I agree. I think he's one of the best managers, and I've always said that catchers make the best managers anyway. But uh, you know, give, give him a little. And I, and I don't know what you mean when you say people are down on who? Who's down on them? The broadcasters? I mean, well, uh, the talk. No, talk I'll, I'll tell you, Tom. I'll I'll tell you who's down on them. Uh, the fans. Okay, because if you listen to uh, talk radio. A WIP, I've listened to 97.5 some. I mean, the, uh, they're real. You've got to question a lot of his moves. Why would you take Segura, your best hitter, out of the game on a double move the other night? And that fiasco on Saturday night, was uh, that's the first time that happened since, what was it, 1935? Okay, to lose the game after you uh, three times – you can hold the lead, okay? I mean, and, and there's a couple of other ones. He's made some really strange, uh, questionable moves recently. Well, as long as they're as long as they become isolated moves, uh, you know, uh, Roger. I, and I, you know, as far as the fans go, you know, I, you know, if, I always I love Dick Vermeil's quote about the fans. If you listen to the fans as a coach, soon you're going to be sitting with them. And uh, and I just go back to that line, uh, you know. He, I, I, as I said, I think Joe is still feeling his way around the Phillies roster. This is his first full season, you know, regular season, to uh, manage this team, right? I mean, you know, he, and they're not last hitting. year. Last year is an anomaly. Well, yeah, right. Well, I mean, <laughs> unless unless you want Joe to put himself in the lineup. You can't handle that. I mean, the hitting situation, uh, which may well, not be a bad point. idea sometimes. Yeah. But I'm hold, hold, hitting, boy, hold it right there. Hold it right there. Hold it right there, fellas. we got to wrap up this segment of the show because Mike Zibzak is sitting back there ready to come on with us. Tommy, thank you very, very much again. We'll talk, with you during the, we'll talk with you during the playoffs because I know you'll be following the playoffs very closely, as we all will. But thank you very much, as always, for joining us. You are. Thanks, Thanks so much, Cal. Thanks, Tom. Always the Got best. It. Thank you. Take care. Mike, are you standing in the wings ready to go? And, uh, boy, somebody thinks happy now. Washington's even a, a one-point favorite in our first football game of the, of the National Football League season before <laughs> they even get the schedule, before they even get the schedule out. <laughs> well, so I, we do know it will be the first time in – I think four centuries that they won't be opening the season with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. 
So I don't know how I feel about that tradition going by the wayside. But it looks like the uh, Washington football team will be hosting the Chargers, uh, and that they might be uh, favorites. Uh, we'll see how that develops as we get closer to the game. But, hey, look, Washington opening up the season as favorites, that hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> Roger? Well, I, I listen. I don't count those Chargers out, Mike. I don't. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not at all. Quarterback, you know, and and uh, I think that they're uh, they're building a really good team there. And uh, it was interesting. I heard on the serious NFL ro- ra- radio today with uh, Jim Miller and Pat Gerwin, a fellow that that call, come, calls in regularly. Obviously, he's already made gotten his uh, reservations made to fly. Uh, to uh, the nation's capital to watch that game because he's a big Charger fan. Dwight's never seen D.C. before, so here here they come. Well, uh, based on everything, the team is planning on opening up at full capacity. Uh, so that means given the nature of the last couple of years, if the uh, FedEx field is opened up at full capacity, there should be plenty of room available for visiting fans <laughs> to show up. Tommy, go ahead. ahead. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Tommy. How are you? Let me guess. I'm doing great. The NHL playoffs. Uh, How'd you guess? (laughs) (laughs) How did you guess that, Mike? (laughs) Uh, I'm chained with my inner Karnak. Kick the envelope in front of you, right? <laughs> yeah, I got the envelope right here. Um, Tom, Tom wants to talk about the Tommy wants to talk about the uh, Bruins and the uh, Capitals uh, in their first round playoff game on Saturday. Um, I don't know uh, if the Caps could have gotten a much worse matchup. Uh, oh, they were, Yeah, they were four two and two with a. Hmm. Uh, Black goal differential against Boston this year. And um, they're still trying to figure out the health of uh, T.J. Oshie, who was out, who missed the last game with a lower body injury. Um, Nicholas Backstrom missed the last game with a lower body injury. Uh, Tom Wilson left the Flyers game, the second to the last game, uh, with what looked like a lower body injury. And then there's... uh, Alexander Ovechkin, who you guessed it, is trying to overcome a lower body injury. So oh boy, I'm trying to figure out what this lower body injury is. Can we get insurance for it? But uh, a lot of it's going a lot of it's going to depend on uh, health. You know, if Oshi and Ovechkin are in any way limited, you know that that series is probably going to end quicker than the Caps would like. They're going to need uh, some sort of. Uh, they're going to need those guys something close to full strength uh, for the playoffs right. to get by the Bruins. Uh, also, you know, Ilya Samsonov and his Yevgeny Kuznetsov are still in uh, COVID protocol. Uh, so that's two other players. You know, I guess Vitek Vanacek would have started anyway. He's been pretty much the starter the whole entire year. But it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that Caps go in with a rookie goalkeeper and nothing that they're really confident as a uh, as a second option. 
and you know they're going up against Tuukka Rask and the, the Boston Bruins, who's a proven wow, playoff goalkeeper. Yeah, so I expect this to be a tight series. Uh, I think either team, you know, you can make a case for both sides. You can make a case for both the Bruins and the Caps. Uh, the one thing I will say is I, I think it's going to go at least six games. Um, I think yeah. that uh, I, I think the the the, the uh, Caps will get it on Saturday, right? They got they got home home ice advantage, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the second game yeah. uh, Boston steals it back. So we know now that the Caps are probably going to have to win at least one game in Boston. That's going to be a tough yeah. one. Uh, but they are uh, expanding fans for the playoffs down in D.C. So that might give, uh, give the Caps just enough um, playing for the first time in front of something that resembles more of a packed house may just give them a the little bit of uh, extra edge they need to get through this and then to go on and face uh, the winner of the, uh, the other series. What is it? The Islanders and the Penguins. That, that's right. going to be a good series up there because you got the I um, mean, Tavares for, for the Islanders up there. Of course, Sidney Crosby, and that's going to be a great series. And we got over in our division. Uh, we went and plays the Panthers. And then, this week, Mike, the series is going to be a great series. Everybody underrates this series. Nashville and Carolina. Teams are hot coming into playoffs. That's going to be, that's going to be, that's going to be a great series to watch, I think. And he, I, I would tend to agree with you, Tommy. I think that those two teams are playing really good. They just don't necessarily have the uh, name recognition of yes. some of the teams in the other series. I mean, you, you know, in the Caps and the Bruins, you've got D.C. and, and, uh, right. and, and Boston. You know, you've got uh, Tampa and, and Florida playing in the Florida rivalry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole yes. entire Canadian series, you know, the, up there, that's the, the Leafs and the, and the the Canadians, that's going to be hard to watch. You know, I think that that series, like Carolina and Nashville, they're relatively close to each other, which will make it geographically interesting. Um, yes. And they're both playing some really good hockey right now. I just think in the pantheon of all the other matchups with all the with just the, the, the recognition of those teams, that might be the best series that gets overlooked. I think they're right Roger, about that, Mike. You got Nashville is a Good hockey team, and you got Carolina's good hockey, real good hockey team, and and that was a sleeper because I everybody said why don't the Lightning win the division? Win the division? I says guys, watch out for Carolina. The Nashville went on their run in March, thirteen and three. So that's gonna be a series I'm looking forward to watching. Of course, the the Lightning series versus the Panthers, but that Carolina team is a darn good hockey team. Yeah, they could do some damage. They can definitely do some oh, damage. Yes, they well. can. Roger. Hey, Mike, let's switch over to baseball uh, for a couple of mm. minutes. Uh, uh, the Phillies uh, leading the uh, Nats one nothing, uh, bottom of the or end of the fifth. Uh, what's your assessment of the Nationals? Uh, are they just uh, in a flu, uh, you know, a dull, a doldrum right now? And uh, but they'll come around just like Don and everybody was saying earlier. Uh, the Braves uh, have really uh, quote unquote underperformed, but. I think the Braves are still the uh, elite of the NL East. What do you think about the Nats? I think the Nats' problem is run a little bit deeper 
than the Braves. So it might be a little bit harder for the Nats to, uh, to, to snap out of it. One of the problems that they had throughout most of last year was uh, the inability to put up runs when they needed. Uh, it, again, against the Yankees, you had another great start from Matt Serger, but they just couldn't hit enough to get him runs to back yeah. him up and give him the win. That, Mike, that was, a disastrous, that was a disastrous yeah. loss on Saturday because that really yeah. put them – they had no chance to win the – not only win the series, but they were going to get swept. You knew when they lost that game on Saturday, the way he pitched, they were they were not going to win on Sunday. But and Don, over the last couple of years, uh, I've lost a lot of shares of pitching and how teams approach him. And teams mm-hmm. seem to be taking the approach like you're not going to hit him. So go up there, make him throw a bunch of pitches, get him out in the fifth or sixth inning, and then go after the Nats bullpen. I've seen so many teams do that against the Nats in the regular season, uh, and Scherzer starts. I've seen the Phillies do it a couple of times. You know, he'll get his 10 strikeouts through five innings, but he'll throw 90-something pitches doing it. So by the sixth, he's out, and you're into the bullpen. And if the Nats bullpen has proven anything outside of the playoff run, they can be gotten to, right? And – Martinez said that he wasn't really going to go with a lockdown closer, but he threw Brad Hand in in those last two games, or in those two games against the Yankees, ostensibly to save the games, and he he gave up beats in both of them. So, again, they're back where they started, looking for bullpen help, especially at the back end. Um, Hand was their big bullpen arm that they brought in, and he's been shaky. As a lot of relievers can be, you know, you can have finding a consistent bullpen arm is just about the hardest thing next to finding a a, a flawless diamond, really. Um, and so, without them being able to, without the Nets being able to have a bullpen that can hold a lead and batting that could give them the support, I think they're really going to struggle. You know, again, it's like Juan Soto, Trey Turner. And uh, everybody else, and Victor Robles, Trey, uh, Juan Soto, and everybody else, and they just need to get the bats working. Roger. Well, yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, Mike, and uh, and I think it's that way throughout baseball. We were talking about closers a little earlier uh, with Tom Lemaine and. Uh, you know, I think the Braves have a good closer, and, and uh, uh, well, no, he's on uh, uh, Toronto, right, Chatham? Because uh, I, you know, I've been watching the games the last couple nights, and uh, you know, but there's very few teams that I've seen that really have a uh, a, a real strong uh, uh, closer. You, you know, when you have a good closer, it just makes everything easier to contend with. And you think right. about the Phillies World Series, you, when you had uh, mm-hmm. Billy mm-hmm. Wagner just locking down that ninth inning, how all the other tips just fell into place. The Yankees for all those years when they could just count on Mariano Rivera and it made it easier to mm-hmm. fill in the setup guys, the seventh, the eighth inning guys. It just really shortened the game. But you they're know, really in the same boat right now. The Yankees have the premier closer in baseball. Mm-hmm. Right. And you, 
the one thing that we can say about the Yankees is, you know, we don't think necessarily like their bullpen is their biggest weakness. I would say striking out is a big problem for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. they got to figure that one out. You know, I last time I checked, the point of baseball was to try and put the bat on the ball. Um, <laughs> very few teams in baseball seem to be doing that right now. That's great. Well, Washington's, Washington's having the same problem. They can't score any runs right now. Tampa Bay, they're in the seventh. They're the Yankees batting in the seventh. Tampa Bay scored one run last night. They've been averaging two runs a game at the Trump so far. And and they're winning, but they, if they have to win, they have to win two to one, three to two. They can't score any right. runs. And that's exactly what Washington's doing. If Washington wants to win, they've got to score runs, and they can't score runs. Mm-hmm. No, they can't. And the thing about the Nats is they can either, you know, they'll go one run, one run, shut out, one run, one run, two runs, and then they'll score six or 11, right? It right. It's like any time, their runs come, they get all of their runs for a week in one series. And they need to be able to get them, you know, you'd like to see them spread them out a little bit more and give some uh, support to some of their to their pitchers, especially Scherzer, right, who, you know, he's going to put up another statistical marvel of a season. But if they don't fix this, he's going to have, like, one of those Felix Hernandez seasons where he has, like, a couple hundred strikeouts and an ERA around less than three, but less than 15 wins because the team just can't get in the batting when they need to to win right. games for them. Tommy? Uh, it's, just, it's the same thing. If there's a, with these pitchers today, they, they win your ball games early. Like, a, you know, these ball games play like in, in April, May. You have to win these games right now or stay at 500 or better. This way the games to September, they, they, they mean games. I remember what the, what um, Andrew Friedman said about the, but the Rays in their glory years under Joe Maddie says he says to me, Tommy, when when you play games in September, it means something. It's a whole different it's a whole different world around the office in baseball. When you when you play games in September just to play them out, you want to get them over with. And no, there's no conference or anything about anything about that with the, with the game of baseball. But I I firmly believe when you win championships, guys, catcher, pitcher. Shortstop and your center fielder, right up the gut middle, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't, so so for the Nationals uh, and the David Martinez, he won that championship, and David did the great job of managing Mike. What he did, the pitcher, the catcher, the second baseman, and, and the center fielder. Yeah, and but I will say, you know, there's no team in the NL East right now that's looking like uh, they're they're playing at or above their potential, right? All it takes mm. is for one of these teams to have a really good month. And oh, yeah. they can pretty much run away and hide in that division. If, if you get a Braves team that puts or a Phillies team that can put together a month where they win, you know, 17, 20 games, they can right. theoretically just run away and hide in that division with the, with the inconsistency of the other teams. And if the Nats just happen to have that month, you know, they can be right back in it and go from, exactly. what, four and a half games back to probably like four, five, six, seven games ahead. 
And after that, all they need to do is just play 500 baseball the rest of the season, and they'll be back in the playoffs. And we all know what happens when they can get back in the playoffs. They're capable. It's not necessarily their entire history, but they can certainly, you know, get on a good run, get hot, and get Mm -hmm. them. So it'll be interesting to see what moves. You know, they're, what, 30 games into the season right now, so there's still a lot Mm -hmm. of time left. And all I, I would say all any one of those four teams needs is just a really, really good month. Uh, under their belt, and you know they've they've got control in that division. Mike, let's get to your primary uh, your primary goal because uh, we talk soccer all the time with you, and we haven't even mentioned soccer tonight. So I know there are a couple uh, of uh, interesting stories. Uh, go to it. Well, um, I thought we – let's start with this one. I thought that we were done with this whole entire European Super League thing. But uh, right. apparently there are three teams that are still hanging on to this dream in Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about the fan protest and the fact that uh, UEFA had told the nine teams, Manchester, the Glazers, Manchester United included, <laughs> that they had to sign a commitment to uh, – play in UEFA competitions and donate, uh, you know, what the amount of what's going to be about $5 million to uh, UEFA and uh, grassroots football. Well, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Juventus refused to do that. And today they, uh, UEFA announced that they were going to uh, begin an investigation with an eye towards suspending them from European competition for two years. And mm. uh, the top division in Italy, Serie A, said that if Juventus does not back down from this, they are going to expel them from uh, expel them from the league. So uh, this saga continues with this one. Uh, it has become the most outrageous game of chicken that you could possibly imagine. And everybody's just waiting to see who's going to blink first. One well, last comment before we go to Doug Hamilton, who's standing by, and that is the uh, your uh, your soccer player is the most uh, valuable player in all the sports. They, they did a thing on payroll. I don't know whether you saw it or not today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's the highest paid athlete in all of sport. Um, yeah, I believe it's Lionel Messi would be the highest paid in all of team sports. I still think that, uh, you know, when you get to individual sports, somebody like Floyd Mayweather who can fight twice in a year and make $100 million. Yeah. Uh, is going to blow that out of the water. And, uh, you know, Lewis Hamilton has a pretty decent contract in the F1 with endorsements and stuff. But when you think about the global reach of soccer, the fact that uh, somebody like Lionel Messi is making 26 million euros to play the game, not including all of his endorsements, and you think of the number Mm. of Barcelona Messi jerseys that you just see wandering around the streets, uh, it, talk, it speaks to the global impact of the game. I'm not at all surprised that uh, that that would be the case. I mean, I guarantee you, you wear a soccer jersey anywhere in the world, somebody is going to talk to you. Well, Mike, thanks again, as always, and uh, we'll get together again again next week. All right. You guys have a good week. Roger, you have a game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. I'll give you a call. All right. Talk to you later. Have a good one, gentlemen. Where, where, Thank you, uh, Doug, Hamilton, Doug Hamilton is standing by, and I'll tell you, we got uh, 
a number of things to talk about. Sometimes we don't talk about any of these things, but this happens to be uh, the Preakness is coming. The Preakness is coming up, and uh, major yeah. decision today on on uh, Bob Baffett uh, and what was going to happen with the uh, with the Preakness and the ten horses that are going to run there following the Derby, and the fact that the uh, the Derby winner was uh, decided that uh, he could run the Preakness. So I know you follow racing a little bit away from the golf. Uh, yeah. How about a comment or two on that to start? Well, uh, he, he was, um, I think, quoted as saying that he used some sort of an ointment or something uh, on that horse and that they were, you know, interested in, in retesting his labs and those sorts of things. But all these uh, different appeal processes take lengthy amounts of time. Uh, and so, you know, even if this horse, uh, that they're going to let him run, but if he wins, I mean, they might not find out you know, for weeks still, I mean, we could have the first triple crown winner that didn't win the triple crown because he got disqualified. So, um, mm. you know, I don't know. I mean, I think apparently a lot of this stuff has been going on, um, you know, for years uh, with regard to horse racing, and they're trying to really clean this up with, uh, you know, with with um, more more natural versions of horse races with no Lasix and, um, you know, some different things that I think that these horses were on. Um, because I mean, you know, they're, that's, you know, (laughs) top speed for these horses and as big as they are and and as fast as they go, man, I tell you what, that's, uh, it's a lot to ask an animal to do, um, you know, for wagering purposes, but, um, you know, I don't know, I mean, the interesting thing is if they disqualify, you know, the Medina spirit, I mean, you know, what does that do to the betters from the last race? You know what I mean? You know, if, if you had Nothing. The, they already they already said that uh, the official determination there is mm-hmm. and has been done before. Uh, the yeah. payoffs and everything that happened uh, are are uh, that's it. I mean, Final. whatever happened mm-hmm. happened. It's over. Yeah. But that is spirit today uh, mm-hmm. is in the race and is yeah. qualified to go for the Preakness. And uh, uh, Bob Baffert signed and he and his attorneys. Uh, signed a, no, a number of uh, of documents because uh, uh, mm-hmm. he's got two other horses running in this race too, not just uh, not just the uh-huh. uh, Kentucky Derby winner. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the interesting part about the Preakness is a lot of the horses that run in the Derby don't make their way up to Baltimore to run in the Preakness, and they, you know, that's one of the hard parts about winning the Triple Crown. I mean, you have, you know, only a few weeks in between, you know, some of these races, which is which you know kind of goes against the code you know, of a lot of these trainers in terms of, of what they would normally do to run these horses. And then, you know, you have different length races. I mean, the Belmont typically is the longest race, the final race. But then you have, you know, a situation where the, some of the horses that run in this Preakness, you know, didn't run in the Derby. Um, and they're pretty fresh, you know, obviously from a training standpoint. So, um, you know, for some of these horses, was it Justify and American Fair were the last two um to win the triple crown, that's a hell of a feat, man. That's, you know, before those no two, it hadn't been done, you know, since what, 1970 something. So, you know, right. there's only I been... just wonder what the, what the, before we jump to another topic, I just wondered what the, you know, what does the Baltimore press, what do they, what do they have to say about what, you know, Bob Baffert um, has done? And this is his first, this is his first running with, with trouble sure. with the doping horses. I mean, he's had this before. Well, and uh, what are they saying in Baltimore? You know, surprisingly enough, um, you know, even though they're running the Preakness, I mean, it's it's been pretty hush. You know, I think that, you know, number one, obviously, I'm kind of stuck with with a lot of the 
the Washington D.C. Uh, news, and they've they've chronicled, you know, Bob Baffert in terms of their, you know, snippets of stories that they do. But I mean, unless you're a horse racing fan, you know, you're you're you have to go seek. I mean, it used to be a big deal with the Black Eyed Susan and, and the drawing of the post positions and and all those sorts of things. That was really something special, you know. I mean, obviously the right. the Freakness was a big deal um, around here, yeah. but then. After they changed a lot of the the different uh, rules with regard to the infield and and um, you know alcohol and, and all those sorts of things, I mean it's you know it's it's lessened its appeal, if you will, to a lot of the people. But you have to understand too. I mean, the Kentucky Derby is like the crown jewel. I mean that's that's a yeah. big deal for Kentucky. I mean that's mm-hmm. you know you, you you see people that are dressed to the nines. You know they're making big deals about the mint juleps. I mean you know the Pimlico is not a nice area, and it's it's just not. I mean, mm. uh, uh, my guess is if they could get rid of having the Preakness in Baltimore and host it at a different track, I mean, I, I would I would think they would love to do that just to get it out of the, the dregs of society. You know what I mean? As to where it is, so um, <laughs> well, it is. He I mean, was Bob's been horrible. very fortunate. He drew, he drew the, the number three post position for Spirit in this race, yeah. which is a, a really an ideal place to be. But uh, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to, I just wanted to go over that first. We don't remember we we never talk about horse racing, but yeah, you know, I thought I wanted to get to that first. Roger, you can change you can change yeah, something to wherever you want. I want to stay with horse racing, Don. I want to stay with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, a uh, couple of things. Number one, uh, when you talk about Pimlico, I've been there. I know what it's like. Exactly what you're talking about. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, Doug, and uh, mm-hmm. and when you think about the Masters and Augusta National, it's in a yeah. similar type of neighborhood, but it's yep. a uh, crown jewel, uh, you know, in mm-hmm. a uh, a so Okay, right. But my, my sure. point is that uh, Sunday night, a uh, radio uh, talk show or sports talk show host in Philadelphia made the statement, and he is big into racing, that you mm-hmm. could go to a track. Uh, during the day, uh, when it's you know quiet and you can sort of get lost uh, in the uh, back area where the you know the mm-hmm. stalls are, and if nobody's <laughs> around, you could very easily go in and give a shot to a horse, mm-hmm. and uh, the that really raised some eyebrows uh, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the area because. This guy is is into uh, racing, and mm-hmm. uh, that we nobody could believe that he would come out and say that on the air. But I heard it; mm-hmm. everybody's talking about it, and wow. that is real concerning. Because if it that is. is the case, then you could get somebody, you know, off the street. Hey, go give the horse. You know, look like right. you're, uh, <laughs> you're cleaning up the stalls or something. And, and, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's unbelievable when you think about it because this mm-hmm. could have an effect on races over many years. Sure. Well, I think there's well, a This horse guarded so well now, Roger. They, they, they've got the whole barn from uh, the Monday, uh, from Monday uh, until the race is run on Saturday. This barn mm-hmm. is uh, for not only that horse, but all of his horses are under quarantine. They're guarded 24 hours a day now. Mm-hmm. Don, that's not my point. My point is that that's now. But what the, my point is what this guy said is any time, any place, any track, it's one thing when you're coming up on a big race. It's just mm-hmm. like if you would have a, a Super Bowl, the security at the Super Bowl. But there's yeah, less right. security during the regular season. That's my point. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Right. Okay. It's the, you don't want the horse to be out of the barn. That's it. Right. Right. <laughs> That's how he goes. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Right. Well, there's, there's no question. Whoever I I don't know who it is that you're referring to, the who the radio broadcast is. I'll, but, I'll tell you. I'll tell you when we talk later who it was. Oh, okay. Because I mean, I worked at the Philadelphia Park racetrack for uh, you know a number of years, uh, and you know they they're not that. I mean, I agree with you. They're not that protective about each and every uh, barn, and uh, there's no question that somebody could go in and and uh, it was. You know, you can walk anywhere around inside if you want to, mm-hmm. and nobody ever nobody ever stops you or anything like that. So he's correct in his theory, uh, and uh, as, as I say, with Baffert's record, uh, you'd think they'd be a lot more careful. But he even said himself that he, he was the one that uh, had the hoofs uh, doctored, which caused the problem. So uh, mm-hmm. who knows what's Jeez. going on. But uh, your, your, your radio announcer is, is correct. I mean, you when I worked out, and we all walked in any of the barns, anywhere you wanted to go, nobody ever stopped you. Wow. Well, as, uh, as, as Tom Tom Moran, the great Tom Moran, or I'm sorry, Gene Packard, uh, once said, you worked with Huge Cannon, a.k.a. Hugh Gannon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Oh. That's right. <laughs> I'll never no forget question. when Gene Packard said that one time, Huge Cannon. Unbelievable Unbelievable (laughs) All right, Tommy, you want to jump in on something? Yeah, sure Uh, Doug, how you doing today? How's how's the play been up there in your golf course up there? And anybody asking you for any lessons at all? And (laughs) how's the sales going in your business? Yeah, uh, you know things are starting to pick up. You know the the shop is uh, is uh, growing. You know on a daily basis with uh, products that come in, and uh, yeah, I gave uh, a few lessons today. And and although um, you know the the teaching aspect isn't something that I've really focused on. You know to this point, um, you know there's a lot to be said for uh, you know small business owners, um, as I'm now one of them, and the amount of work that it takes to you know, just, you know, cultivate all the things that you need to, to do from start to finish. And in most cases, obviously, there's, um, you know, business plans that I think, you know, have more longevity than the two months that I've spent there with regard to being able to populate that. So I'm very proud of, of where I am at this particular point in time. And I think that, um, you know, wise decisions were made with, with uh, product selection. And I think that the members are, you know, realizing that, um you know, in a short amount of time, uh, we've been able to uh, accomplish a lot and, and give them some good stuff to, to pick from. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of the membership hasn't even returned uh, yet from their from their Florida you know, winter haven. So, um, you know, I think it's only going to, you know, continue to grow. And, and um, you know, after I get a season under my belt, I think I'll have a better idea of, know, what worked, what didn't work, you know, sizes and colors and, and, um, and different product mixes that uh, we can enhance uh, moving forward to, you know, provide them with a better product. So, um, you know, the good news is that um, I have a really strong rapport with, with my sales reps as I dealt, you know, I've dealt with them for the last, you know, 16, 20, 20 years. Um, wow. You know, there's different, um, there's different programs that you can subscribe to that a lot of these guys at the end of the year will, will take back your product that you don't sell so long as it's not logoed. Um, 
you know, and you'll just you'll get a credit on your account, and then you'll spend that money elsewhere, um, you know, for the following season. So, you know, I feel like we've made some smart decisions, some good decisions uh, on products and and, and programs. Um, you know, I think that no matter what business you're in, uh, there's there's been some version of interruption. Uh, to the supply chain with regard to the COVID and, and how things are getting to where they need to be in a timely fashion. So, you know, again, I feel like we've we've been in a really good spot to get this going. It certainly could be a lot worse than it is. Um, but, yeah. you know, we have all the essentials, and we've we've uh, branched out into some more lifestyle pieces and, you know, T-shirts, hoodies. Uh, we've come up with some unique kind of versions of our logo. And, and um, you know, it's, you know, I'm proud of what we've done so far. It's good. How about the Ravens, partner? What do you think about their opening game? You know, it doesn't surprise me that they want to, um, you know, put the Ravens on Monday Night Football. Um, obviously, Lamar Jackson's a, a great draw for the game, and his youth and exuberism is is noted. Um, you know, to be on the road is certainly not um, out of the realm of what I expected. Uh, you know, for them to you know to travel uh, to Las Vegas, but um, you know, they they. They have a fairly tough schedule, and, and we'll see if, if, their, um, if their draft and off-season uh, acquisitions, um, you know, can stand the test of time over a 17-game season where, um, you know, that, that's a daggone tough division, playing the Steelers twice and the Browns twice. The Browns are damn good, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, that's just a, a really tough black and blue division. Um, you know, outside of that, um, you know, they're um, – you know, they're out of schedule or out of conference schedule is, is still pretty tough. Um, you know, so they'll, I think they need to get the rookie signed. I think that uh, the rookie little camp, I think, is, is coming up here soon, if it's this week or next, um, get these guys on the same page. And I think they'll have to, uh, um, you know, kind of watch some of those waiver wires post-June 1 to see if there's anybody available that can, you know, add some depth to – you know, whether it's offensive line positions or, or, or positions maybe they missed in the draft. I mean, they've always been incredibly good at finding undrafted rookies that have uh, developed and, and, and made the team in some fashion. Uh, so, you know, I think they'll be solid as they always are. Roger? You know, Don, getting back to the uh, schedule, I'm looking at it. You know, it's interesting, and you've seen this in, uh, in recent years, uh, I guess more and more, uh, but that first week, uh, you've got the um, – uh, what did I, I just uh, saw here? The Dolphins um, at the um, – uh, where the heck was it? Um, anyway, it's the, the Dolphins uh, are playing, and the game is uh, – it's on Fox, even though it's a total uh, – a, a totally uh, uh, AFC game. You know, and and you see this more and more, uh, where uh, before you know here, uh, yeah here the uh, and it wasn't the Dolphins, but anyway, um, it's no the Dolphins. A- you're right. The Dolphins do have a a very interesting first game. You you're correct. They did a lot of talk about that this afternoon, and uh, you're right. The Dolphins have a very interesting first game. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, if, but anyway, it, it's just that you see more and more where it, it used to be Fox had the NFC uh, and mm-hmm. the, uh, CBS had the AFC. But now you see them more interchangeable, even if, you know, if it's two AFC playing on Fox or vice versa on the NFC. Right. 
interesting because that's the way. Remember the old days? It'd be CBS had the had the National Football League and AB. Then then it was um, NBC had the AFL. I remember the announcers: uh, Kurt Gowdy, Christy Connie Mackey, Charlie Jones, and you know that that, that was great football back. We talk about the AFC back in the back in the late sixties, early seventies. Listen to Charlie Jones and Kurt Gowdy doing a game and. From the from the uh, West Coast, who was it? No, no, who was the cook? No, I'm trying to think. Who was this color guy? But, but, uh, oh, Al, Al B. Rowe got it. And Kyle that's right, yeah, it. Al, yeah, that's right, Kyle. Because I was, yeah, but that was because you know, used to be when you're when you're watching that before ESPN ever happened, guys. You used to say, "Oh, wow, we get to watch the four o'clock game." But ESPN to thank this guy from CBS Television in Chicago. You, you guys remember this guy, Bruce Roberts. Remember after four o'clock in oh, yeah. CBS, CBS Sports, he gave he gave all the highlights. And ESPN to thank that guy when he started. You know, he started ESPN off the right foot. When you think about it, Roger, he started off that ESPN and all the post game highlights off to the right foot. Five minutes update. Well, you know the show that's still on, and uh, I don't know whether you guys. Uh, watch it or not, is uh, Pro Football Weekly that Hub Marshall oh. Markish, uh, the and he's the one that started that publication, and now it's a uh, a weekly TV show. Oh, okay. Wait, 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 isn't that guy how does the Bears, something with the Chicago Bears radio TV or something like that? He was. Yeah, he was. He does. You're exactly right. He used to do the Bears radio. Don, you know that guy, Hub Arkish. And yeah, absolutely. Football, uh, weekly magazine, and, right, and now right. it's uh, and the guy that's on there, uh, his last name's Boyle. He used to be on Comcast Sportsnet in Philly, and uh, he, then he moved on to Chicago. Oh boy, not a good place in the winter time, guys. Especially the Let's talk a little bit about uh, the. Uh, uh, the broadcasters uh, in in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I always, uh, when I was uh, you know living in Maryland, and I, I used to love watching Baltimore and DC. And but uh, who's doing the the uh, Oriole games now? Because uh, the, mm-hmm. the the fellow that was doing them is a good friend of Don's from CBS, well, and they were all both the go, right? Yeah, yeah well, both of them are like go. Yeah, they do. They do uh, it's uh, it's. Well, it's Scott Garceau, and they, they've had uh, Ben McDonald on there. Every now and again, they throw a sprinkle of Jim Palmer in there. But uh, I haven't seen, although my dad – Well, that's on TV, question, right? He, that's on TV, yeah. Doug. I, I don't know. Yeah, what about radio? TV, uh, They're the guys that lost their jobs. Right. It was, was it Manfred and um, Rob Manfred, I think? And, um, uh, was that? Uh, I didn't have a yeah, it was Hunter. Hunter was the was yeah, the fellow uh, from CBS. Jim Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, Jim Hunter. Hunter. He he was from CBS. He lost his job this year. Right. And the other the other uh, the, the lead broadcaster down at Baltimore for TV and I guess he did radio too. I don't know if he did radio. Was uh, uh, a real short guy. He did hockey. Gary he, he did a lot of hockey. Oh, oh yeah. That's it. That's it. ESPN. Yeah. Uh, Thorne. Yeah, who was That's that? That's right, Gary, Gary Thorne. Yeah. Gary okay, Thorne, yeah. yeah. Yes. Hey, guys, Frank just gave me tick, tick, tock. We're up against the clock again. 
fastest two hours, my favorite two hours of the week have come to an end. So, oh, it's just been a great show. <laughs> Don, thank you for well, coming on again. Well, have a good week, time. everyone. God bless. Uh, Phillies are down uh, 2-1, and the Braves are down 2-1 to the uh, Blue Jays. So, Uh-oh. And the Yankees are up, the Yankees are up one nothing down here in Tampa. So, uh, Frank, thank you very much. Always a great job. And uh, once again, Doug, always a pleasure. Enjoy the race. Of course. Absolutely. Frank, take care of everything. You take good care. Without you, we're not not doing anything. Take care. That's right. He's a man behind the thing. I'd like to thank thank always Mr. Roy Cummings for coming on, Uh, uh, Brian Burns from the Tampa Bay Lightning, Bobby the Chief Taylor, a good friend of the program, Uh, Mike Simzak, Tommy, uh, what's, oh, geez, I'm not, uh, Tommy, it's Tom Levine on the Philadelphia Radio and, and Doug Hamilton. And I'd like to thank Hernando Rose today for that great round. If you're in the Tampa Bay market, 352-799-9990. And most of all, Mr. Frank Carroll. Frank, great job as always, super lineup as always. From my family to your family, stay safe. Let's go boats, let's go race, and God bless America. God bless you, Frank. Thanks, Tony. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation of the men and women of the United States Armed Forces, the men and women police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know you know they're there. It's very important times. These are very tough times for those in uniform. These programs are dedicated to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Banger, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerber, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Alfa Crispin, Lakeland PD, Chief Al Hogle, excuse me, Chief Al Hogle, Longwood Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department, Highway Patrolman Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol, Highway Patrolman, excuse me, Patrolman um, Brian Murphy, Plymouth Township, PA Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, uh, Philadelphia Fire Department. <clears throat> Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department. Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department. Ellsworth Deputy, Deputy Sheriff Charlie Cotwell. Sergeant James O'Connor, <clears throat> Philadelphia Police Department. Sergeant Rodney Bond, Delaware State Police. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Artith Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. FDLA Special Inspector, Benny Galaccio. Delaware State Trooper Corporal Stephen Ballard. Kissimmee Patrol Officer Mike Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard, Deputy uh, Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Clay Zerba, Clay County Sheriff's Department, Deputy Natalie Corona, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Deputy April Rodriguez, Pasco County Sheriff's Department, Officer Bob McKetchen, Biloxi, Kentucky Police Department, Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol, Sergeant Brian LeVake, Ellsborough County Sheriff's Department, and Deputy Mike Malik, Pinellas County Sheriff's Department. My brothers and sisters, although you may be 10-7 at this point in time, and sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table of the Lord. 
Until that time, may the roads rise up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields and the sun shine lightly on your face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your your families always in the palm of his hand. Good night, God bless, and have a great week.